1: learn more at marines.com
0: and on three pitches here it goes down on the outside edge he struck out the side and there's strikeout number 6 in a row the 7th strikeout in a row tying a club record and he set the club record with his eighth straight strikeout got him 7 no-hit innings for Kenta Maeda Strong on and missed. Strikeout number 11. Chopper to arise. Eight no-hit innings for Kenta Maeda and a 2
2: nothing Twins lead. And that was just the prelim to last <laughs> night's <laughs> game. The most entertaining and most fun Twins game of the year so far. And we will break it all down like it is a football game as we have been doing all season so far here on the podcast. Also, write that down predictions and an accountability session. But a quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is helping business owners in the state of Minnesota and around the country. And Federated is giving peace of mind to business owners as well. So the last five months have been very tumultuous for many business owners out there. And uh, if you're a business owner that that is still operational, that's awesome. And if you feel like you need just a better insurance partner and and – better frontline protection, whatever that is to you. Um, just visit federatedinsurance.com to find out more information about your local marketing representative and all the industries Federated protects. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours.
0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Join more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports
3: flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chad on Score North and
0: scorenorth.com.
3: I was very proud of the way our guys kept battling. I mean, you know, even coming down to the very end, Alex had a great game behind the plate, had some good at bats, gets the runner over in that situation and made sure, you know, he's trying to drive the run in, but, um, you know, able to make a put a ball in play in that side of the field and just, just a hell of a job.
0: Liner to center, into center field, and Sogard breaks up the no hitter. Fittingly, not hit hard at all off the end of the bat for a lead-off single. Right off the end of the bat, as you mentioned, and just everybody applauding in the Twins' dugout.
4: And here comes Rocco Aldelli. All right in,
2: in the spirit of breaking baseball down like it's football. That was Polanco who almost who it just like went right over his glove, right? Jorge yeah. Polanco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Football. Yeah. Pie chart of blame for for losing the no-hitter. I got to go bad route by Jorge Polanco on that play. Oh, you're gonna blame him? Hit me! Polanco. Turned around, he turned around nine times. I mean, Polanco's got to be better on that play. Sorry. The, I think there's no question. The happiest guy
5: in the ballpark last night when uh, Sogard got that hit. Rocco Baldelli. I think you're probably right. You could get him out That's of there. That's a grueling decision that was, going into that the was, and that so went against what Rocco believes in life, right? Like that pitch that pitch count was at one thirteen going into the ninth, okay?
2: Which, by the way, like has not been a problem up until five years ago. Like 120, no, I get... it's a no brainer up until I like But you five know what this ago. is? This
5: this is the parent that kid asked to go out on a weekend trip for the first time with his or her friends, right? And and um Johnny's driving your kid and you don't trust Johnny just got his license. He's sort of a doofus. You don't trust him not to necessarily do something stupid, right? But you're like, well, I gotta let my kid go at some point in time, and my kid's begging me to go. Um I'm gonna do it and just hope and pray. That was Rocco last night.
2: You, you could you could
5: one thirteen send- to Rocco. It might not have been a big deal five years back, Phil Mackey, 113 to Rocco. Very big deal.
2: Well, let's let's start there. there. There's so many things to dive into here, including extra innings and just the drama that built up in those three extra innings and all kinds of other things. Burp Lylevin making his... Returned to the broadcast booth was, last night. I
5: missed it since I was there. I'm excited Bert to hear Plyle about Eleven, how by doing. the
2: way, has uh, started in the Twins organization in the 1970s. Yeah, became a broadcaster in 1990. He's from Holland. He has one on the season with a 2.46 earned <laughs> run average. Right-hander with a
5: big curveball.
2: Yep. Big, uh, four-pitch repertoire. Curveball. Fastball. World Series championship Change when he returned up.
5: to the Twins. Yep. Flipped off fans once. Yep. I'm reading through the same thing Loves you are. to
2: fart. Yep. It's great. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Um, so, all right. If you're Rocco Baldelli in that spot, and you could, they kept showing him in the dugout, and he was like, every time they'd cut to him, he was like nervously talking to the translator or Wes Johnson <laughs> or, like, all right, how many pitches are we at now? Uh, 91. Okay, how many now? 92. Dude, Rocco, what goes by one each time. 93. So, did you, were you okay with Kenta Maeda just getting a shot to come out for the ninth inning? Because there was some debate. I threw the question out, how many pitches do you let him go here? This is the most pitches he's ever thrown in a game. Your long-term goal is to win the World Series. I get that, well, you know, 20 years ago, guys would go 150 pitches. Well, that's not how baseball works right now. Kentomaida, Maeda, actually, the most pitches he has thrown in a game at any point in the last two years, if you include last year with the Dodgers, is 106. So no, he was it was mostly low stress. There was nobody on base. He's not one of those guys that pumps right, up and throws a hundred. Way more pitches than the twins are ordinarily comfortable allowing their starting pitcher to throw, right? So how did you as 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 you were seeing the pitch count go up and, and the zeros on the board, what was your thought going into that ninth inning?
5: I actually thought that the twins handled it exactly right. I would have brought him out. I, I would yeah. have brought him out, but but the second that hit dropped in, I said, Here comes Rocco. <laughs> the the at bat that got me though. The, the at bat the, uh threw a um, proverbial fly in the ointment was the what would it have been the Omar Narveris at bat in the 8th which was a 10 pitch walk yeah, that's that kind of screwed the whole thing that's the one yeah. where you started to say this might be too tough and phil to your point n- no matter how much we want to invoke old school baseball and you know how things were in 1986 um you're right the ultimate goal here is to win a World Series. And he's your
2: best starting pitcher. And he's right your best now. starting pitcher.
5: And you want and and you want to keep him as healthy as possible. And so all of those things, I think the twins did exactly the right thing here. I, I would have given him the chance. They did. He gave up a blue pit. Supposedly you should be able at that point in time up by what three runs? and a guy on first base to bring in your closer and have him close it out. That did not work out. We'll get to that, too. But I, oh, there is <laughs> there is a bunch of things. In fact, My scorenorth.com, I went home last night and I posted 12 things from this game. There's like 12, I sat down and I thought, what are the 12 sort of
2: goofiest, craziest things? Yeah. But There's like 12 episodes of a show well, from last night. The,
5: yeah. Maeda, the Maeda thing for, for the first eight plus Innings was the talker. It was the huge thing. I almost saw my first no-no in person and kept score in my life. I feel bad for you. And, that man. Didn't, God, man, and it didn't was... happen. That stinks. I feel bad for and you. And it's hardly rememberable
2: now, I have, memorable now. I have somehow been struck by baseball lightning twice in my life. I have I have in person seen two no-hitters. I saw Eric Milton's no-hitter.
5: Yeah, I saw the end of it, but I didn't see that, that whole thing. I would have loved to see that whole and thing.
2: I, I was in Chicago covering the Twins-White Sox game. The last year. hitter Francisco Liriano was... Awful and still threw a no-hitter. Yep. He walked six guys. The last out, I think it was Adam Dunn, just hit a rocket right to the shortstop, Matt Tolbert, to yes. end the game. Just an absolute, like, 100-mile-an-hour exit velocity laser that Matt Tolbert was standing right there But for. this was
5: an absolutely, positively, until it got broken up, legit, yeah. he had stuff. I think I th- thought to myself in the fourth for the first time, he's got the stuff. Like, his stuff is that good.
2: It was, there there wasn't anything even close to, like, there was one ball hit to the outfield until Eric Sogard's single, you know, put put the first hit on the board. I mean, you you had eight consecutive strikeouts at one point, which was two off of the Major League record, which is incredible. And I think last night is just a perfect illustration for why pitcher wins as a stat either needs to go away altogether, Mm -hmm. or what I would recommend, because I don't really even acknowledge pitcher wins, like when someone says... Well, he's a 500 pitcher. Like, I don't even know what that—baseball's different. Pitcher wins were created when guys like Cy Young were never coming out of games. Cy Young would start, like, 50 games in a year and throw 400 innings and pitch back-to-back games of a doubleheader. Forget Cy Young. Jack Morris? I mean— Jack will tell you he never came out. Jack 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 will tell tell you that that he he never, ever came out of a game. And, and But, but to yeah, your point, in you. the 80s and the 90s, guys would throw seven, eight, nine innings, and you can call pitchers today wusses, or you can say that front offices are smarter. Don't let a starting pitcher see a lineup for the third or fourth time when you can bring in a 97-mile-an-hour flamethrower. Like you can bring in Tyler Duffy, or you can let uh, Randy Dobnak face a lineup for the third or fourth time. It's a no-brainer. So part of it's just strategy. What I would do, and last night would be Exhibit A, instead of handing out... Based on the old rules, you got to go five innings, and then you have to be the guy who's still in the game when your team takes the lead. I would just have the official score take a subjective look at the entire game and say which pitcher on the winning team had the most positive impact. Jorge Alcala was incredible, which but Jorge-, it- Jorge Alcala was not the most influential pitcher for the Twins in that win last night, yes. and yet Jorge Alcala gets the win. Yep, just get rid—either get rid of the stat or look at the game and say, all right, Kent gets the win because he was the most influential pitcher of of the winning team last night.
5: Yeah, I think we talked about this on the show, was it two or three years back? And and I said the same thing because the approach to pitching has changed so drastically that to try and award wins for, first of all, you should not have to go five now. Like if right. you go if you go four, four and a third, I don't know what the exact stat is or if, if there should be, but if you pitch well and come out with an out in the fifth. And they're like, oh, well, and they always say, Dick always brings us up. Well, he won't get the win now because of that. <laughs> That's just stupid. It's absurd. Because yeah. the game has changed, which is absolutely fine. Um, but, yeah, I think that they should definitely go to some type of structure where where, I guess the wins, to your point, would be more subjective
2: in being awarded. But it would also make more sense. And I'm okay with it being subjective. I mean, a lot of things are subjective.
6: It's subjective, isn't it? Already subjective. Balls if and don't? strikes were
2: subjective right. last night. That's for sure. If you go exactly. with an, I think if you go with an opener, it is subjective because
5: the opener, if he pitches the first like two, can't get the win, mm-hmm. and then they
2: often give it to the winning team's second pitcher. Which is, even if he pitches one inning. Yes, right. exactly. Oh, sorry, right. starting pitcher, you went four and <laughs> a third, get, you didn't quite make well, it to the fifth, so the next guy just gets to vulture your win. Like, here's,
5: the stu- here's the stupid thing, if you start a game to qualify for a win, you have to go five, right? But I can come in, in the ninth, get one out, my team scores in the bottom of the ninth, I get the win.
2: It's absurd. So you're exactly That's right. That. It's absurd. And and think about it this way, too. Let's say Kenta Maeda goes four and two-thirds, perfect, yeah, perfect. And he's on a sixty pitch count or something, because they don't want his arm to fall off. Or like Rich Hill's going to pitch tonight. There's no way Rich Hill goes five innings tonight. Rich Hill's probably on like sixty-five or seventy pitches. I'll go downstairs pitches. and take him out before that happens. <laughs> yeah, he ain't going to go five. But let's say Rich Hill is a is flawless through four and a third, and he hits his sixty pitch count. and They're like, all right, we're just yeah f- fragile guy here. We're just gonna we're gonna take you out of the game. <laughs> Here's your bubble wrap. And then and, and the Twins are winning five to nothing. He doesn't get the yeah, win. know you're in right. that Game.
5: You're you're a it's thousand so stupid. Right percent. So. right, but Kenta's stuff last night was absolutely oh. fantastic. It was fun. Um, that might be as close as I come to seeing one. I think. Like if I if that's not gonna if that's not gonna pay itself off. Well, Barrios has I don't no know, good stuff. I don't but know. <laughs> but gonna, uh, know I don't know. I'm going to. I don't trust him though. <laughs> but I don't know that. I, I don't know if that if he can't get that one last night with the stuff that he had. I don't know that I'm going to see a guy throw one
2: football. All right, another another positive from last night, at least for me. We'll see if you guys agree or disagree. Last night was another just classic, and I bet you more people were watching that game than, than most Twins games outside of, like, the first series when it was sort of a novelty and it was back, but I think you probably had a lot of people who haven't seen the runner on second base to start extra innings thing play out in perfect form last night. And by perfect form, I mean immediately starting in the 10th inning, you have tension and anxiety and the game is on the brink with every single pitch and then there's the strategy too of like okay byron buxton recorded the last out of last inning and now the fastest player in baseball is starting on second base for the 12th like there's so much that Which goes into a role. it yeah and i just feel like after watching that last night i don't know how you can't at least be open-minded at the very least to this because the, the alternative is all right we uh we just played Nine innings over three, three and a half hours or whatever it was. And Kenta Maeda took a no-hitter into the ninth and it got buzz killed. And now the game is tied. And you're going to go into this marathon extra inning session that you have no idea when it's going to end. I love that you went from the tension of the no-hitter right into a new set of tension of the game could end at any point because there's a runner on second base. It was It played out the way that I personally have been hoping that it would play out as soon as the Twins got into one of these like, just big-time drama games. It was so much fun. So placing the guy on second, to me, and, and I didn't give this a lot of thought until I
5: saw it for the first time on TV and then being in the ballpark last night, saw it firsthand, and it's great. Placing the guy on second forces the hand of the manager and his coaching staff to immediately invoke strategy that ordinarily they wouldn't do. And, but here's, But here's what I loved about it, and I did not think about this at all. It forces them to put in strategic decisions that they ordinarily might not do. For instance, for instance, the uh, play in, let's see here, in the 11th, okay? So Vargas is on second. He eh, had a little bit of a rough night, but he's on second yeah, base. Nice throw, by the way. I know. Adrianza, <laughs> God. Adrianza comes up and, and hits, and they think he's going to bunt, which is also cool. So the third baseman's in, he's playing in, and it becomes pretty clear that they're not going to bunt. So Adrianza hits a chopper to Jed Jerko at first base. Now, ordinarily, I think that there might have been some thought, if this was a normal game, if the guy on second took off for third, there might have been some thought, should Jerko throw it across to the third baseman, who was Brock Holt. But it was pretty clear, and I don't know, if if you agree with this or not, that it was predetermined because the guy was starting on second, that Jericho was told to throw to third. Mm-hmm. So the strategy's there. He makes sort of a bad throw, but Brock Holt makes this great play, tags out Vargas at third base, and it's just stuff like that where there is a, a strategic decision made uh, because there's a guy on second before a pitch is even thrown in the inning that makes it as a baseball fan like you can go through the whole yeah but it's bs cuz i'm a purist. but but the strategy if you like strategy this is great
2: but if you're even if you're i, a purist, I love like, it like, this but is it, i'm just it, saying
5: like i'm just saying i got notes on twitter and it's not real no, baseball I did too. but i love but i love you have the 3 fact hours
2: of real baseball yeah. You had 3 and, hours of real and baseball. You tell me. It's still real baseball. We're just getting to the point.
5: You yeah. you tell me how much fun it was in the 11th there that the Twins started with a guy on second and only had two guys hit because Buxton hits into a double play he hit, in an he inning, hit back-to-back he
2: hit into back to back. He hit into back to back double plays. How many times? I feel like he slowed up on purpose on the second one so he yeah. could start the inning on second base. He stumbled. Strategy out out of the box on purpose. How many times though in Byron
5: Buxton's career, at least this. Portion when he's still really fast. How many times are we going to see a game where he hits into not one but two, and it's back to back five, four, three double plays in I, one I'm game?
2: Guessing it probably hasn't happened before.
6: I think I saw the stat; he had only grounded into seven his entire
2: career wow. coming into that he
5: game. He did a two last night,
2: back to back. That's insane. Crazy. Yeah, and then the other, like, just to back up to the beginning of of the sequence that you laid out, the biggest decision that the managers have to make, especially the home manager, where one run can win the game, is do you bunt the runner from second to third? And I think it's very situational. When Byron Buxton's on second base, I'm probably m- much more likely. Now they got a swinging bunt that moved him to third base. But Avila if if was right. told
5: not to bunt because yep. of what you're going to say.
2: So you have you have a couple choices in that spot. If one run wins the game, now if you're the if you're the road team, I think I think bunting's probably the wrong move because your goal should be to maximize your run scoring potential. There, you should be maybe looking to hang a crooked number up if you can, mm-hmm. just to make it you know sign sealed deliver. But if you're the home team and one run wins the game. You have two choices. You can either swing away three times and just take three shots at getting that guy in from second base, or you can drop a bunt down, which sometimes people factor into this equation that dropping a bunt down is a one. It's 100% that you're going to get that guy from second to third. Well, as we saw, that's not the case, as we saw in the 11th inning or whatever inning it was. Um, and so I generally would rather just take three swings and try to get that guy in to score from second base as opposed to drop a bunt down. And now I have one shot at hitting a ground ball or a fly ball and get that guy in from third. But if Byron Buxton's my runner, I'm much more likely to just get him to third as quickly as possible because mm-hmm. he can score in any number of ways. If a pitch you know if a catcher blocks a pitch in the dirt and it goes away 10 feet, he might score a game winning run. So like all of that, we're just all we're doing in extra innings, all of those things that that made those last three innings so much fun, we're just getting to the point immediately and saying, all right. Uh, the ball's on the eight yard line. That's right, and uh, it's second down. Yep. Go ahead. Nope.
5: It's absolutely fantastic. Let's go, everybody. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. We're not
2: going to make. We're not going to make the Jaguars have to go eighty yards. Like just Jaguars. The ball's at the twelve. Go that, ahead. Throw that, the ball in the end
5: zone. That game went twelve. If you don't place a runner on second base at the start of every extra inning in that game last night, I might still be a target field.
2: <laughs> You're probably right.
5: I mean, that thing was not exactly uh, an um, offensive buffet of baseball here. Play the Sounder. Once more, because I want to go through one more scenario in the extras
2: with you. Which sounder? The football sounder. Oh, sorry. Okay. Football. <laughs> oh, because we're breaking this down. <laughs> yeah, there's literally like 7,000 Seven. sounders <laughs> on here. It's the it's the football because baseball <laughs> okay, it, is football got sounder. Got it.
5: Uh, let's talk about the Brewers in the top of the 12th, okay? Because the fact that they did not get a a run is a crime to baseball. But again, it's great fun to talk about. So Jed Jerko starts the 12th on
2: second base. Jed Jerko, who does not look like a professional athlete no. at all.
5: Jed Jerko looks like a professional baseball player circa 1975. Go back and look at baseball cards.
2: I was going to say maybe even like the 30s, like those okay. guys with the wool yeah. uniforms who eat hot dogs. During but the he looks—he
5: looks like a guy who. Well, first of all, he looks like he's my age, basically. Yeah. Uh, but he starts the he starts the uh, top of the twelfth on second base. Ryan Braun sharp single to set, to left field, so it's first and third. Okay, so the Brewers have a run. Like they're gonna they're they're gonna score a run. Manny Pena comes up and against Acala, who's a young guy pitching his second inning of work, decides to swing at the first pitch and pops to second. Okay, that's a bad at bad, but it's one out. I want to talk about the next one, Orlando Arcia.
2: He's pretty terrible.
5: Hits that... He really. His, his brother he really, was
2: a better... Well, he's a better fielder, but his brother is a better hitter than he He's was. not yeah. very good.
5: Hits a screamer to Kepler, and right, the Kepler comes in and makes a great play on. But, like, again, the strategy that we're talking about right now is at its height, right? Like, everything has to be thought yeah. to get that run home. The, at least one... Dude, the
2: Kepler catch was, like, the 12th thing that you think about in that game. I know. And that was a ridiculous game-saving catch. But I want to go deeper than that. I want to talk about Jerko not...
5: Having the thought process to have tagged up at least, yeah. because if you watch that play, Kepler has the potential to make that catch. Like it's not a, it's a nice catch, but it's not a catch where you say to yourself, "Oh, there is Jed Jerko cannot be blamed for tagging up because there's no way that he could make that catch." His throw was absurd, though. Yeah, uh, it was. But Jerko what's, would have been
2: out, right? Just for but the but, record. but
5: you got to put yourself in position to at least tag on that play. Yeah. So what
2: was he? I mean, he th- he I wasn't think, thinking at all because. No, he wasn't thinking. That's exactly. I guess the only thing he could have been—you th- thinking just hit <laughs> it. He wasn't thinking. The only thing he could have been thinking is, if this drops in, I can't score unless I get a head start. But right. but Max Kepler was clearly going to die for that ball, and so if he doesn't come up with it, there's it's, no way he then gets up, picks up the ball, it's going to the wall, and throws you out. Or even if he keeps it in front of him, like it would bounce off his chest or something. And I, yeah, but to Max's credit, if it had played out the way it should have, which is, is it Jerko or Yurko? Is it a soft G? Do we pronounce the G? I, thought, I think it's Jerko. Jerko. See, I think Jerko's okay. more fun too, Phil. Yep. Okay, Jerko. Jerko. So if Jerko tags up the way that he should, Max Kepler got up so fast and threw an absolute rocket strike to home plate. I think he's out. But it is funny how guys just like lose their mind. They, they've just been sitting there for four hours and they just like the key moment. They just don't <laughs> you. know what to do. So all right, let's let's keep plowing through here. There's so many other things to get Football. to. Jerko. It is Jerko. It's, it's Jerko. Okay. Yep. The bullpen. Oh, boy. Taylor Rogers. I saw... I'm going to rip on our guy Dan Hayes for a second. I love our guy Dan Hayes from The Athletic. He's a friend of the show. But Dan Hayes tweeted out that Taylor Rogers got babbipped in that inning. Yeah. Because the three batted balls, one was 90 miles an hour exit velocity, the double to left, and the other two, the one that went into center field for a hit, and then the one that... Uh, was it the one that scored the tying run? The, the, or the one that would wound up being a throwaway. It was supposed to be a 6-4-3 situation. Yeah, and Vargas. And, Var- and Vargas, Vargas throws it away. Throw. Yep. Uh, that was like those were like seventy to seventy-five miles an hour exit velocity. And so his point was, hey, weak contact, he just got paper cut it to death. And that's a fair point. What I saw though was a double to the corner, regardless of exit velocity, that almost went out for a home run and definitely landed in for a double that changed the inning. A walk to Christian Jelich, and then allowing contact twice in situations where you need strikeouts, including that that hit to center field wasn't exactly tattooed, but like you got to get a strikeout and you're allowing contact, which is that's on you. Taylor Rogers is a strikeout reliever and he failed to get strikeouts in those spots. And that ball goes into center field. Like that's a pretty standard base hit. And so you can't just exonerate the pitcher for that. It was a bad outing and he's had three bad outings so far this year. And my biggest question was why not use uh, Tyler Duffy, your best reliever in that spot, especially when, it's very clear that Taylor Rogers just doesn't have it after the double and the walk. Yes, And I think they're just, I think Rocco is so concentrated on not using guys back-to-back days. And he used Tyler Duffy yesterday, or two days ago now. So I think he's valuing, like, bringing Littell in when he brought him in. For, that was a four-run game in a bullpen game. Yeah. Bringing Alcala and bringing, um, who else pitched last night? It was basically just Rogers and Alcala. No, it was it was Taylor, okay. Caleb Fieldbar
6: came in. Freaking for Caleb Fieldbar
2: comes in last night before yeah. Tyler Duffy. And I think it's because they he's just putting such a uh, an emphasis on not pitching guys back to back if you can help it. But This is a great, Rodgers was bad.
5: This is a great time to um stop and reflect and take the gloves off with Rocco, okay? Rocco does a lot of things well. I I like him and I think that we all assume, and rightfully so, that in a lot of situations. Rocco is a really smart, intelligent, level headed guy who's going to make the right move. And I think when we have when you have a coach or manager in a sport like that, you begin to sort of just defer to most of the things that they do because you know usage, you think yeah. that they're going to do the right thing. I let's talk about the bullpen usage. And let's talk about it from a standpoint of my guess. My guess is it's not just Rocco. It's probably a philosophy shared I would think by uh, Falvey, Levine, the executive staff. Um, but I am a little bit confused at times here. I, I'm a little bit confused, not so much by the Rogers thing last night. I'm a little bit more confused by being concerned about using guys at all back-to-back. I'm very confused by if that's going to be your philosophy, why you wouldn't if they have a reasonable one-inning pitch count. Why you wouldn't throw them, too? If you say, Tyler Duffy is not coming back on Tuesday. I don't care if the rest of my bullpen runs away and takes a flight to Chicago, okay? Then why wouldn't uh, Duffy, who did not throw an incredible amount of pitches on Monday, be allowed to pitch, you know, the 6th and 7th or 7th and 8th? There are things that Rocco does bullpen-wise that definitely leave me perplexed. And here's my bigger concern about that. And I, I told Pew this on uh, Score North Twins podcast that we did on Tuesday before the game as well. I can't, I look at everything in these games as a microcosm of the first round. Like this might be your philosophy or is this your philosophy? And there are things Rocco does bullpen wise. And you can tell me, and Jake, Jake tried to say, you know, in a playoff it changes. I don't know why I agree with that. And I definitely don't agree with what I saw against the Yankees and the Bronx last year in the playoffs. So, Phil, what you're bringing up in, in a vacuum of one game or two games, all right, you know what, it might change. But if it doesn't change, and this is a playoff game that we're talking about now, um, I think we have some pretty deep, interesting conversations to have that we don't necessarily need to have.
2: I don't think, if this is a playoff game, I, I think Tyler Duffy comes in before Caleb Thielbar and Jorge Alcala. Although, credit to Jorge Alcala, that dude has nasty stuff yeah. and was I like him. excellent in that game. And the best part about it was he absolutely, when he got out of the, well, every every inning is a jam, an extra inning, because you're starting with a runner on second base, so he gets out of the jam in the 12th inning and just does this primal scream and fist pump. Love it. And you can the, tell the, the, the batter at was like, huh? what's oh, happening? Geez. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Baseball's, let's make baseball but, fun.
5: But <laughs> to be clear, I'm combining Monday and Tuesday here. So I'm, I'm not taking just uh, last night's game. I'm taking Monday's game as well. And I'm saying I don't know if the philosophy makes sense to me
2: yeah, it, across it, the board. It kind of feels like he's just running guys through, like, spring training a little bit. Like, today's your scheduled day to be a reliever, and today and today Duffy is off limits. So, but when you're in these close games, and I get that they're not really in danger of missing the playoffs, so you're trying to massage winning games – with the fact that he, but seeds 1 through 8 are no different sure, than each other. Sure, but he's squeezing
5: guys home twice now in, in the past like four games so he's acknowledging and I think he should be the importance
2: of these games. Right, but there's I I so I agree with you by the way. I think there's some there's some things about his bullpen management that are head scratching. Yeah. And I'm trying to get to the why cuz he's yeah. a smart guy. He's not just an idiot who's like, oh, "I'm going to use No. no field it, bar. It's a like, philosophy. So, I think I think the regular season philosophy here is off to a hot start. October matters, let's not run Duffy out there back-to-back a bunch of times and have him be you know, cooked or at risk of injury. That has to be the why. That, that, that's the only reason why you would bring in Alcala and Thielbar right. over your best reliever but then with can't, a runner on second base three times.
5: But, but then can't Duffy come back for a second inning of work then on Monday if he's definitely not going to pitch on Tuesday?
2: Same explanation. He's just, he's just trying to say, this is, this is me explaining what I think he's probably thinking. I disagree with it. I would push the gas pedal down a little bit more, and just make sure that you get these wins. And the, every game is four to two. So the, yeah, like right. the, it's, if if this offense was performing at the level that it should, then yeah, some not. of these decisions. And by the way, if the offense is performing at the level that it should, you're probably up like six nothing in that game when Maeda comes in for the eighth and the ninth. And then he, Ma, the problem with Maeda not finishing out the no hitter, or the re, part of the reason why he didn't finish out the no hitter is because it's a it's a one nothing game and a two nothing game until you get a little bit more run support when it gets to be 3 nothing, finally in the ninth, then you know, he walks out and has a little bit of cushion. If it's like 6 to nothing in the eighth and his pitch count is rising, he can literally just throw pitches over the plate and, hey, uh, hit a pop-up to the outfield. Instead, he's trying to get strikeouts because he's also trying to preserve the team win. So, offense, wake up, the fact, is what I'm saying.
5: The fact that they have felt the need a couple times on this homestand to squeeze home runs is an indictment of the offense. Like, yeah. that shouldn't ha- you shouldn't even have to be put in that situation with this offense to have to do that.
2: Let's uh, Football. I agree. I'll do a couple other things real quick here, just, just to clear this off. Home plate umpires, okay? Uh, who, who was the home plate umpire last night? Jeremy time? By the way, Jerry Meals was back out there, too.
5: I have, uh, I have done some <clears throat> research on plate umps for Twins games because I'm so damn tired of seeing the same incompetent guys. Jeremy Rehack had the plate for, in 24 games, the third Twins game this season. And
2: Jerry Meals has had it for a couple. Jerry Meals will
5: have the plate tomorrow night, which will be Thursday, for the Jose Barrios start. And that will be Jerry Meals' fourth time behind the plate for a Twins game this season. So, uh, old,
2: old Jer is going to carve his own strike zone and then hold, <laughs> hold people to it. Oh, and Barrios is screwed now. Yeah. So, last <laughs> night, uh, this home plate umpire makes. So, th- there are two things that home plate umpires do. There's a, there's 10 of them, but like there's two main things that drive me absolutely bat bleep. I said that right, right? Jud- yeah. Judd said it the other way one time on the oh, air. On the air. Yeah. With the dump button? That was funny. Nice. Phil got the dump Only button. Only one time in cuck nine cuck years. Cuck 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 cuck. Cuck. Um, so the first thing is when umpires don't ask for help on check swings, you should always ask for help on check swings. You're standing behind the batter. You have a guy down the third baseline, first baseline that can easily tell from the angle. Like you should never call that on your own. Always ask for help. And the second thing happened last night when you make a bad ball or strike call. And last night that pitch to Marwin Gonzalez was very clearly above the K zone. Mm -hmm. And, and there was a side angle that showed to me, it was like, above the letters, and it was, it was just a borderline pitch. I thought it was an egregiously bad call. You could argue that it was a borderline call. Either way, it's high tension, it's late in the game, it's a borderline bad call, and you're, you're ringing a guy up for strike three. That guy gets justifiably upset with you in a moment of heat, and you instant-eject him. With, no, with one substitution on the bench, by the way. If you're yeah, a home point grandpa? umpire, get your ego out of it. Seriously eat the criticism for like 10 seconds, eat eat the criticism, let the guy get his frustration out, and then say, all right, we'll, we'll take a look at it after the game. I'm sorry, Like you can vent to me right now. If he keeps venting after that, maybe you eject him. You can't insta-eject guys for showing frustration in the 11th inning of a close ball game. It's so stupid. These umpires are just out of control with their ego and showing more incompetence than ever. So that's my rant. Marwin must have said... The magic words because he he
5: got called mm-hmm. out on he got called out on strikes by uh, Jeff Nelson on Monday night and he he dropped his he dropped his helmet and bat at the plate and stood there and talked to Nelson but it was like very cordial. Uh, this one he must have said, "You just," I guess this guy's not good. Dude,
2: like NFL, but, but a lot of these. guys...
5: I mean, we're we're getting Jerry Meals again tomorrow night. God. Jerry Meals, you would
2: be a better choice to ump tomorrow night's game and have the plate. Than Jerry Meals. Oh. Yeah. And NFL coaches, you'll sit there and see NFL coaches like saying the worst possible things to fellow humans in zebra uniforms. Yes. And those guys sit there stoically and just eat it. Yeah. Because it's emotional. Right. There's, there's jobs on the line. <laughs> Games are close. And you know what? You might have been wrong on your call. And so just let the guy vent to you. Umpires are so quick to pull these ejections. And, they, and you're right, though. The Twins
5: were down to basically Mitch Garver.
2: Yeah, he played so, first base. He cut a pop up, right? So,
5: uh yes, he did. In fact, I think the first guy uh that, that came to the plate with Garver at first base popped up to Garver. So, uh can I give you my favorite baseball baseball scorebook thing of last Football. night though? Obviously. Because this is this is baseball now in some ways 2020 and it was just so great. It was so delicious. Ryan Braun starts the game as the Brewers DH. All right, that's fine. He then, in extras, gets uh, put into right field. So they lost
2: the DH. So now the pitcher, if his spot comes up, has to hit. Bramer was very confused and thought that they may have blown past this spot in the lineup. Uh, No, they didn't. They
5: kept moving it around. Okay, Council did a very good job. In in fact, the the, uh, scorebook's a mess now because... He kept confusing us as to where he was slotting his pitcher because he kept making changes there. But anyway, so here but here's the here's the Jason Stark baseball y baseball thing that was just so great. So Braun starts the game at DH, goes to right. Um when Polanco comes up in the twelfth, the Brewers decide to deploy the old five man infield. Love it. Ryan Braun goes to third base. No, I don't think, no, no, so my question is, if somebody had grounded out to Braun, is that five, I think it's 9-3 still, because yeah. he's still it, the it? right fielder, so I think yeah. it's 9-3. But the fact was, the fact was, what makes baseball so fun is a guy can start the game DHing, go to right field, and then end up the night basically playing third base. That is a baseball-y baseball.
2: That thing. was very baseball-y, and the look on the pitcher's face, did you, get that, cause you were watching on TV at the end, right? Yeah.
6: I got the last four innings of five.
2: Yeah, you had a little family gathering. A little family untimely. gathering. Family.
6: Yeah. Well, uh, the one game I was like, I was going to go finally meet my nephew. And I was like, you know, I was going to cover Twins game, but I'll come out and see you. And, and then uh, I, I almost missed one of the best pitching performances of my lifetime. I wouldn't have cried like I did when Scott Baker blew a perfect game that was in a press box in a formal oh, setting. That's right. But that is something that would have happened to me.
2: Scott Baker. uh. Against the Royals. my heart out. Johan yeah. Santana almost it. broke the Major League Strikeout record, but then took himself out of the game going into the ninth inning. That was that's another right. great pitching performance. <laughs> but a... if I remember right when, because it was a 1-1 count, when the Brewers said, whoa, whoa, hold on. We need a fifth infielder here. It was in the middle yeah. of the at-bat. It was a 1-1 count. Yeah, and the pitcher was just, like, beside himself. Like, what the hell are we doing? He. He's on the rubber and then they summon Braun into the infield he steps off and he's just kinda like like shrugs his shoulders like this is you guys are taking forever. I'm trying to end the and game. And then huh? and then in the and Dick Bramer pointed this out, they had two outfielders but nobody in right field right. for a pull happy Max Kepler. Right. and so then they had to like wait, wait, wait. Hey, you go, you go to right field. It was Hold organized it. chaos. They had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it was organized chaos.
5: But so. but Braun at third was great.
2: Yeah, and he, I'm sure he, he was thinking that.
5: to himself, what the
2: hell am I doing? It, it, only, so, it no, only heightens
6: he, the extra innings. Like a five man infield, that's fun as hell. I
2: agree. It is. And if you guys remember Ryan Braun when he won the Rookie of the Year award in 2007, was a third baseman. That's right. He was a third baseman to start his career in the minor leagues, and he and his and he had. One of no, the best I rookie didn't. seasons of all time as a third baseman. Was he really?
5: I didn't remember that. Yep. No. And then
2: they moved him to left field his second year, and he's been an outfielder for 12 years. But he yeah, he won the Rookie of the Year award as a third baseman. But that was a fun game. Yeah. fun game. Fun game broke down. I have, one, I have one more thing, mm-hmm. and then we'll get to write that down predictions. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be too savage here because I, cause I like this guy. Uh-oh. But I didn't really need... A tour through the media guide oh. in the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth innings last night from our guy Bert. Bert. high tension, winning run on second base for like an hour because it was it was probably an hour plus of real time, right? And you've got you got two outs, you got a full count, whatever you know, whatever these situations were last night. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing so and so. Is 0 and 1 with a 3.46 earned run average, throws four different pitches fastball, slider, change, cutter. Yeah. And was born in Biloxi, yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. I just want him to tell me what he's seen. I just, in those moments, it's like, it's almost like he's trying to break the silence by saying something and he yeah. just reverts to did, reading out of the media guide as opposed to
5: How did Mr. All right, take this is it? a
2: crazy game. I'm gonna tell you what the pitcher's probably feeling right now. How did Dick Brammer take it? He just kind of ignored it. First game with Bird all season right there. It was. So I don't know, man. Did did Bird give you some um
5: historical context since he pitched had two stints with the twins as to what Maeda start meant as far as like if you compare it to you know, I mean that—that's one of the great starts, man. Eight consecutive strikeouts is a franchise record. He did
6: think that he was coming out for the he went after the eighth. He said, yeah, "I bet
2: he's done." And I remember Bramer said, "Really?" Like he was surprised he said that. <laughs> he did have a, it was a super strong take yeah. on Dick. I don't think he's going to come out for the ninth. if 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 he gets through this eighth inning, I don't think he comes out for the ninth inning.
5: Yeah. Has Bert thought his thinking on life and pitching?
2: Maybe. I a couple know, of years ago, he
5: would have been upset.
2: I just know that I don't need to know what like the exact birth date of a pitcher is in the 11th inning with two runners on and the game on the line. I'm good on that. How about Justin Smoke's background? We got that one.
6: All-star, right? 2017?
2: We got the Justin Smoke background. The Justin Smoke is in his first year with the Brewers, was an all-star in 2017, and has played in the big leagues for 10 years. Oh, man. I, I think Thanks, the Bert.
5: Fox Sports North people gave up on trying to— Take that away from Bert a few years ago. Football.
2: I do think there was a time where I heard that they might have taken away his uh, media guide. I think you can get it online, though, now. So it's just you right. can take it away, but you, sure you, can't, you can't take away the media. Right? online? He is. He tweets all the time. Yeah. That's true. Hmm. Well, that's breaking a Twins game down. The most fun Twins game of the year, like it's a football, football. game. Football. I don't think it's going to be topped, at least during the course of the uh,
5: regular season. Do you guys?
2: I mean, it would be hard to top a near-no-hitter into crazy extra innings, mm-hmm. but I'm here for it. Man on second, though. Super fun. Bravo, keep, keep, it. It. keep it. Baseball oh. needs fun, urgent moments like this. I dig it. Alright, write that down. Prediction's coming up in a second. We're also going to get Patrick Royce's thoughts on what happened last night. He I think there? he just wrote a column ripping the backup infielder. I think he wrote something Oh, he did. Bargain. Oh, he
5: was. It was hilarious <laughs> during the game. Of
2: all the things that you could so, write about. He's like, I'm going to rip so, this quickly, clown. So
5: quickly, the problem is this. So, so Sunday against KC. The Twins didn't have the the ambient crowd noise up loud. And so that's why the Royals could basically hear the Twins. And by the way, the KC guys were also, and this is absolutely fine, cheering pretty loud, right? So I think the back and forth, I think it bugged Rocco. So starting with Monday's game, they jacked up the sound. It's it was clearly louder, sure. louder now. Yeah. And these last two games. But the problem is, so Patrick comes to the game last night. If the sound was down where it was on Sunday, I think the players could hear him. It was hilarious. He was going off on Vargas about how bad he was. Do you say players could hear Patrick? (laughs) You know, Pat. He's loud enough that you can hear him basically. But anyway, but anyway, so he was at one point in time. He's like, "Who's that second baseman the Twins had in the '90s or early 2000s?" I ripped him. I Jay
2: Canizaro. That's
5: what I said. I said, "Are you talking about Jay Canizaro?" He's like, "That's it, (laughs) Canizaro." That's exactly right,
2: yeah. Random season recall. Yeah, Amazing. Jake
5: Canazaro. <laughs> All
2: right, let's 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 make some predictions. Hold each other accountable. We'll talk to Pat. A quick shout-out to PodMN. PodMN is a place to discover local Minnesota podcasts. It's a free app you can download in the Apple or Google Play stores. You can also follow on social media at PodMN App, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to PodMN.com if you just want to sort of see – uh, some of the features and whatnot, but you can find and discover local sports podcasts. Vikings training camp is happening, and other topics that are circulating around the country with a local twist. Pod MN is your place to discover local podcasts most
0: sports talking heads make predictions then hope you forget about how wrong they were but not mackie and judd with rami this is the big leagues where we own our terrible predictions write this down and keep track of each other's batting averages write it down you like writing things down it's write that down with
2: mackie judd and rami write this down write that down I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that. And welcome in to the only segment in Sports Talk where we keep track of our predictions and hold each other accountable. We don't just make predictions and send them out into the world and hope that people forget. No, no, no. We come back, we shame each other. We celebrate. Yeah, we We celebrate batting average and home runs. We celebrate ourselves if we do well. This is one of the most, I, I don't know if it's like a juiced ball era of write that down, but these are some of the highest batting averages we've ever seen in write that down. Usually, if you can hit 300 on the season, you're going to have a chance at a batting title. Coming into this week, we have four guys on the show, including some of the past members from pre-May 1st changes Mm -hmm. at 400 or higher. We'll see how this week shakes out. But the way Write That Down works, and you can find this as part of, as you're listening right now, Mackie and Judd, the podcast. You can also find it on our YouTube channel. We have two different YouTube channels. We have YouTube.com slash Mackie Judd for Write That Down, for Action Movie Rewind, and we post other segments too. And then we have a Vikings-centric YouTube channel. It's just YouTube.com slash Score North, where you can find daily episodes of Purple Daily. Uh, yesterday, where I think we're posting, I think it was posted this morning, the uh, the sit-down with Eric Eager mm-hmm. on the Vikings cornerback situation. So please check out and subscribe to our two YouTube channels. It helps us spread the word about the show and helps keep us employed, That's awesome. important in 2020. So here's how right that down works. Three predictions from everybody each week. They must be quantifiable. We welcome in guest listener predictors as well. So we're going to get to Owen and Mark are the guest listener predictors this week. And we keep track of batting averages and home runs. If you'd like to be part of the segment at some point, I know on the screen here on YouTube, it says you can participate by downloading the Score North app and entering for your chance to play. The easier way is just to DM me right now. We are scheduling out throughout the rest of the year. So just DM me on Twitter at Phil Mackey. Let's get to the accountability session Write here. this down. Judd Zolgad, you had three things come off the board this week. Okay. You said, we must have missed this one a couple weeks ago. You said at one point Gary Bettman will cancel the remainder of the NHL season. Mm-hmm.
6: Why are you down on Gary?
2: Oh, this was, I think, shortly after the stoppage. Got it. Maybe you should praise him for organizing uh, a great bowl. I've,
5: he's done a, are you kidding? I have praised him up and down. Super They've, fun. NBA
2: and NHL NBA's are done a great nailing job, nailing it right now. They deserved a lot of credit for this. You also said ESPN will welcome Lewis Riddick to be a Monday Night Football analyst. Yeah. That was announced earlier this week. It's Lewis Riddick, Brian Greasy, and Steve Levy, right? Yeah, and yes. I'm really excited about Lewis. Me too. Mm. I'm really excited yeah, about everything else. Lewis. Lewis is great in his current role. Mm-hmm. He's, I still he's great on NFL Live. I
5: still uh, we need entertainers. I don't. Need,
2: Peyton Manning would have been the obviously. Clean.
5: I don't know if this guy says no or he's been. Offered it, but I still would take a shot on a three man booth with Mossy, and I tell Randy, Randy, we don't need you to break things. If you want to, that's fine, but we just want you to be Randy.
2: Just make funny comments,
5: <laughs> make funny comments, and and just be you. Yeah, I think Randy Moss is incredibly entertaining. If you don't think of him as a true analyst,
2: I think I, I like. It, obviously, they tried to get Peyton Manning, and I think they tried to get Tony Romo. So they were clearly thinking, enter, yep. like top line entertainer. And so maybe this is kind of a transition year or two where... How many transition uh, years are they going to have? Well, but if, I mean, if they get rejected... Okay, but they get rejected by Romo and Peyton Manning. What are they supposed to do?
5: No, but I mean, it just feels like it's transition year after transition year. Basically, since Gruden left and then Tariko left, right? Mm-hmm. It's been this just litany of, eh, here's a play-by-play guy, go do it. The booger bubble. <laughs> yeah,
2: Exactly. <laughs> Uh, You also said the Timberwolves had finished top 10 in three-pointers attempted this regular season. Even though their regular season ended like eight games before 22 other teams, they still finished eighth in three-pointers attempted this year. So really? They did. Oh, my God. They were like third going into the bubble. They weren't part of the bubble. They dropped (sighs) to eighth only. Okay. So Judd with two hits this week. Jonathan Harrison, last year's batting champion, said Dwight Howard will be cut or traded by the Lakers before the end of the season. And that Everson Griffin will be back on the Vikings by the time the season starts. It's not going to happen. Manny said the NBA will not finish its regular season, and they just finished the regular season a couple days ago. So uh, Jonathan and Manny not faring too well this week. Rami said Cam Newton will. Re- I, we missed this one earlier too. Cam Newton will retire at the end of the season, and he uh, will instead likely be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. Hey, look at you! I told you guys the Twins would win at least three games against the Royals between last week and Monday. They took three out of four hey, yes! from Kansas City. Listeners, a couple come off the board for the listeners here. Ross said Mike Greenberg's new radio show will steal a Mackie and Judd segment right out of the gate on the first show. I respect the swing. Love the swing. And Greeny has admitted on the show and on Get Up on his TV show how much he loves the Mackie and Judd show and how he has stolen – he literally stole reckless speculation from us and then credited us. I think he stole – On TV. A, he he stole reckless speculation and then he stole um, – Probable deniability, yes. or no uh, plausible, plausible deniability, and then he credited us on the show. Yep. But I listened to his first show. He had a couple segments. He did not steal one of our good stuff. On. By the way, it was good. Good, yeah. good show. Yeah, it's cool. good. I mean, if you like Greeny, like if you don't like Greeny, then yeah, it's a lot but of. I'm greenie, just saying, but you it's a good it. show. I enjoy it. I like Greeny. I enjoy the um, the Max Kellerman show. I haven't had a chance to listen a lot to the morning show, but you can hear all of these on Score North on AM 1590 every day. That's right. Connor said, this is when we were accepting Twitter nominations for, for predictions a couple years ago. Lindsay Whalen will bring in a top five national recruit in either the 2019 or 20 classes. Mm. She's brought in some top one hundos. But uh, is it Paige Bukers was the uh, the Hopkins yeah, kid? The that that would have been the one. Yep. But she is not coming to the Minnesota so, uh And Declan had nothing come off the board this week for the first time. That's cool. So Declan gets a reprieve. So the current batting averages are Declan Goff holding steady at 472, no home runs. Judd Zulgad, 447 with three bombs. Just a ridiculous season across all categories. Rami Makhlouf under 400 at 391 with one home run. I'm up to 329 with two home runs. Listeners, 271 with a bomb. John Harrison, 214 with two bombs. Manny Hill at 156. And write it down. You like writing
0: things down. Write this down.
2: So there it is. Those are the batting averages. Judd, you're this is this is your best season ever, and you're still looking up at Declan in the batting. This averages. is my Nelson Cruz year. Though. You just got to keep driving me in, babe. Keep driving me in. This is
5: my Nelson Cruz year. I am, I'm a five-tool player. I, actually, in this game, I'm a two-tool player, but I'm, that's really good.
6: And I'm Luis Arise and Ben Revere, just spraying singles. My average and slugging is probably the same. Actually, my slugging is way lower than my average.
2: It is. You're basically Joe Mauer. Yeah, that's fine. A lot of singles, a couple doubles. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Wrong. All right, let's get to our guest listener predictors here. Uh, I'll, I'll punch up Mark here, and you punch up Owen. Mark, are you with us? I am. What's going on, man? Are you ready to take some swings? You bet. Owen, are you with us? Yes, sir. Owen, are you going to be swinging for home runs or singles?
5: Well, that's for the right field fence to the side. Oh! Oh,
2: That's for the limestone (laughs) to the
5: side. All right, Fernando Chattis Jr., thank you. Aiming
2: for one of the three unique surfaces out in right field that Michael Kadir used to have to deal with in uh, 2010. So here's how this works. We're going to go Mark, Owen, Judd, Declan, Phil, and we're going to go around the room three times. And again, uh, we're all going to make three predictions. They must be quantifiable in some way, and ideally there's an end point to them. So we've got a bunch on the board from like four years ago that we just like, Larry Brown will coach again. So that, that will either happen hey. or he will die, and those are the only two ways that that comes off the board. i hedging my bets. So All right.
3: Write that down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Mark. Okay, so I just moved to Minneapolis in January from Buffalo, New York, home of the four-time AFC champion Buffalo Bills.
2: That's one way to look and at that Bill- four-year run, yes.
3: <laughs> that, that's exactly how I prefer to, to, to think about it. And so the Bills, you know, they get absolutely no respect in the national media. They're almost never on a nationally televised game. And the few times they are, the broadcasters act like the Bills don't even exist. Uh, But I think that's going to change this year. I think Josh Allen is poised to take a big step forward. He took a, a step forward last year. He's got Stephon Diggs to throw to now. And this is the weakest AFC East we've had in a long time now that Tom Brady's finally out of that division. So write this down. Josh Allen will throw more touchdown passes in the 2020 regular season than Kirk Cousins will.
4: Write
0: this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. That
2: was well thought out. Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, Stefan Diggs should help with with some of that. Owen, swing away.
1: So I think we need more uh, D3
2: picks on the show,
1: so I'm going to put out, write this down, the University of Wisconsin-River Falls women's hockey team in their next complete season – will beat the Wisconsin-Eau Claire Blue Golds in the WIAC championship game. Wow.
2: Wow. Obscure. (laughs) Write this down. (laughs) You know what they say, though, Owen? Research! You know, a lot of the the best professional sports gamblers in the world will tell you it's a sucker bet to focus your attention on, like, the NFL or the SEC. If you can pick out a niche sport in a conference and dominate it, then that's how you make your money as a sports bettor. Yeah, so Owen, that, that's Owen what our guy applying. Furman told us, right? Yep. Didn't he, Furman talk about that? Yeah, Furman would bet, like... He bets college hockey. It's ridiculous, yeah. He was like, the greatest. I, I would put those in if we had a college hockey season.
5: Furman was a, was my favorite derelict of all time.
2: Yeah, he's blowing up now, too. He's I know, done. he's done
5: great, and he's a great guy. ESPN but, my God, he was he would bet grade school sports if they put lines on it.
2: Think about how many national stars we've made on this show. Big Todd time. Furman, like we, Tom we, Pellicero. We've made. It's ridiculous, <laughs> Uh, Sean Farnham. We've made all these guys. I love Sean Farnham. Yeah. All right, Dex. All right. Actually, yeah. wait. No, name. Name. Sorry, write
0: this down. All right.
5: <laughs> all right so th- this guy has played so well that I think the Twins have no choice but to bring him back uh, for next season. So Nelson Cruz will return to the Twins in 2021. I His like contract it, yeah. is up. Um, D- Dukes, I believe Dukes told us on The Scoop about a month ago or so that there were some talks and they weren't even close at that time. But this guy continues to be so damn good. And I know next July 1st he's going to be 41. But he's going to return to the Twins in 2021.
0: Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down.
5: Now over to Dex. All right.
6: uh, Dalvin Cook's contract extension will come by Friday at the latest. Okay. It's going to come in the next 48 hours. I feel like it's being worked out. And by Friday at the latest, Dalvin Cook will have... His contract is extension. this
5: being is this a gut feeling or is this being said with some inside knowledge from people that you might know?
6: Uh, this is all gut feelings. My sources at the Vikings, uh, are, are no longer there, so I this is all just gut feeling. Okay, but thank you for asking.
2: Write this down, you know. I'm gonna piggyback off this one. Okay, so Dalvin Cook, whenever he signs the extension, I think this is gonna be a mistake, but the Vikings are gonna guarantee Dalvin Cook at least 22 million dollars. All right, they're going to guarantee him at least twenty-two million. So then, so they'll essentially be guaranteeing him like. But you don't agree with this. I'm saying that they sh- if it, that ten million dollars a year in guarantees toward the cap, anyways, gotcha. would be where I would I would probably draw a line lower than that. I think the Vikings are going to be drinking that Delvin Kool Aid here. Yep. So they will guarantee him at least twenty-two million dollars.
0: Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down.
2: All right, back over to Mark. Okay, write this
3: down. Jerry Meals will be an umpire in the 2020 World Series. <laughs> yeah, dude.
5: Yes. Oh, Jer. oh, Jerry Meals, Meals yeah. on Wheels, as far as the strike zone <laughs> yeah. is concerned. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he, he umpired in the playoffs last year. He was in, he was in the ALDS, and you know, we got a shorter season now, so he has fewer opportunities to tank calls. I mean, don't get me wrong; he'll be a disaster.
2: But he's going to be a disaster in the World Series. Was he at second base last night? Yes. He's going to be so a he, home, play. home plate.
5: He's home played on Thursday for the Braille stuff He
2: blew the Eddie Rosario slide, too. That was a great slide by Rosario. He slid in. Yeah, no, his hand came off the bag, but his foot was on the bag. And there's Jerry Meals literally like a foot and a half away staring.
5: Jerry Meals' incompetence knows no boundary of where he umpires. Like, it's not like, oh, he's a bad home plate um, umpire, but you should see him at first base. He's just awful.
2: Yeah. I, I, that's I do a great write. That down, though. For anyone who hasn't done it yet, Google Jerry Meals' blown call Ugh. and watch the blown call in God. the Atlanta Braves. I think Pittsburgh Pirates game from like ten years ago. And he still has a play. job. It's unbelievable. It's All right, Owen, your second swing. Write this down.
0: So there's a lot of
1: uncertainty with the college football season upcoming. Some are playing in the fall. Some are playing in the spring. I don't really know how how logistically that's going to work. So. Write this down. There will be no college football national championship game for this upcoming season.
2: I think. Actually, I think they already announced that there would not be an official national championship game. I be, Let me just Google that real okay, quick. That, I just. I don't want. I don't want. I, I don't want Owen to to get discredited the, here off right, right off right the away. bat. Here, so hold on a second. NCAA football there's, national there's championship. There's
6: SEC. They're playing right. Is Big Twelve? Are they going to play? Right now they are. They are. Right now they are. But okay. I think.
2: I think
5: I saw that. But if you don't have all the conferences playing, there's a chance they're just going to bag the
2: whole well,
6: Yeah, it would, make su- I, it would make sense if, if they weren't going to do it. Cause if- all right, let's
2: do it this way because I can't find it in time and I don't want to derail the whole segment. If that is the case, then we won't give Owen an incorrect for this one. We'll just take it off the board. Okay. Okay. Is that fair? Unless you want to replace it with something.
1: Uh No, I got another one in the bag. I can replace it.
6: Okay.
2: okay. All, right. okay.
1: all right. Write this so, down. Write this down. Paulo Costa, when he faces Israel Adesanya for the UFC middleweight championship, uh, will beat the current champion, Israel Adesanya.
2: You might have to spell that for Declan. All of it. (laughs) Say it again Um, for Declan.
1: Yeah, so Adesanya, A-D-E-S-A-N-Y-A, and Costa, C-O-S.
2: You got it. Okay, I guarantee Declan still spells it wrong. Yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent.
0: Write this down. It sounds like Write the spe- down. Like into the spelling,
2: spelling so, so you said Costa
6: will win or he'll lose? Costa will win. Costa will there win. Go. Okay. Got it. Cool. All right, All right. over to
2: Zilgad.
5: It might be a mistake, but Jose Barrios will start for the Twins in the first round. He will get a start in the first round of the playoffs, uh, despite the fact he has struggled. Um, I think that uh, Rocco is still going to give him a start. I'm not predicting the game, by the way. I'm just saying, Declan, in the first round. So okay.
2: right now, the, the first round rotation is Kent to Maeda. Probably if Rich Hill is healthy tonight, it's probably Rich Hill in game and two. Dobnik. And then Randy Dobnek in game start three.
5: Reals. I think he's going to start Barrios in one game. I just
2: have a feeling. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that. Then. All right, back to Dex. Second prediction.
6: All right. Uh, Tyler Duffy will pick up a save before Taylor Rodgers will. Whoa! So the next time, the one of the two... Change. Get the ninth inning or get the official save. Tyler Duffy will get credit for a save before Taylor Rogers will. That's a ballsy
5: call.
2: Although there's a loophole here, and it's fine. Like, mm-hmm. Taylor Rogers is not good back to back and was not good last night. There's no way Taylor Rogers pitches tonight. But Sergio So will. if it's a close game.
5: But they'll close. He, he has shown a propensity then to have Sergio close and not. There, there's a weird thing with Duff that I don't understand about why they don't allow
2: him to close games. Yeah, I don't know. It's Sergio's I mean, got
5: like three or four saves. Yeah. Write
2: this
0: down. Write it down. You like writing things down.
2: All right, it's back to me, right? Yes. All right, write this down. I hate to be a buzzkill here, but Kent Maeda, who just threw the most pitches he's ever thrown in the major league we'll game last John on night, on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Kenta Maeda will allow three earned runs or more in his next start. So I'm just predicting. Not, I don't know if it'll be a train wreck, but he's not going. He's going to labor a little bit in his next start. Three earned runs or more in his next start. Okay. And just to clarify. I don't know if they would do this. I'm going to say outing, because if outing. if they use an opener, I don't want to get dinged for using the word start. Phrasing. It's yeah, important. It's okay. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to Mark. Your final prediction, Mark.
3: Okay, with uh, the NFL preseason being shortened and no preseason games, I think defenses are going to be way ahead of offenses. It's easier to get 11 guys to swarm to the ball versus, you know, be orchestrated in, in the football. football. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, we, we usually see in week 1 a blowout, uh, usually a couple of I don't think that's going to happen this year. Write this down. During week 1 of the 2020 NFL regular season, no team will score more than 31 points.
2: Wow, just a slog
5: fest. So I, I think you're won. on the right track. I think the first month's going to be awful football.
2: We could see some bad defensive communication, too, that just sure. leads to full-on blown coverages. I could see it going But the timing of the
5: offenses is going to be just brutal for a while, I think, for, most, for a, a lot of teams. Yep.
2: So, Mark, uh, three great predictions from you since you have this massive platform right now. Before we say goodbye to you, would you like to thank anyone in your life that got you to this point?
3: Absolutely. I want to thank my wife, who's a native Minnesotan, who uh, supported our decision to move here from, from Buffalo, New York. And I'm really happy she did because I love it here in, in Minneapolis. And I want to thank you guys, too, for having me on today. It was a lot of fun.
2: Awesome, Mark. Thanks, man. Good this down. All right. Over to Owen. Your final prediction, Owen.
1: So I'm putting all my power into this one. Uh, UFC 254 is going to take place later this year. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, he's 28 0. He's barely lost a round in the UFC. He's nearly a 4-1 to favorite over Justin Gaethje. Write this down. Justin Gaethje will beat Khabib Nurmagomedov when they fight.
2: All right, Declan, spell Khabib's last name. What, what, was, what was
6: even the last name? I, I he was, pronounced it without a glitch. <laughs> that was a great thing. I, I was lost when he said Khabib. That was good. I, I was even just trying to do that. I think you're good with just Khabib. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I right. would just take one name so from you. Just, so Justin, Khabib. Justin Gaethje will beat Khabib? Yes. Got it. I love it.
2: That okay. makes it easier. For yeah. Good language. pronunciation, yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. just flawless. Yeah. Uh, Owen, since you have this massive, gigantic platform right now, is there anyone in your life you would like to thank that got you to this point?
1: Well, I'd like to thank you guys for letting me on, and also shout-out to uh, Hound Dog Hooverman listening in St. Croix Falls. He's a big fan.
2: Hound Dog. All right. Let's give a shout-out to, to Hound Dog. this down. Hound Dog, man. All right. Appreciate you, Owen. Appreciate you, Mark. Say goodbye to those guys. Judd Zilgad, your final prediction.
5: Final prediction, again, um, the wording of this is very important so that we have this straight. Cam Dantzler will be one of the Vikings' top three cornerbacks in the opener that they, when they play. I'm not going to predict. I'm not going to say like against snap, the Packers, Snap okay. counts or No, right, no, no, no. He will be in, no. He will be in the nickel. So it's a top three. So, so if I say he's going to start and they open with two guys... Right, then I'm wrong. But if you say top three, top three and means Gladney cl- starts means and to turns to his
2: ACL, and then Cam Dantzler plays 80 snaps. So you're just saying I'm saying when, the, when the f-
5: they deploy the nickel, he'll okay. be one of the top three.
2: Okay, so he'll basically win a job out of out of training camp
5: because Gladney's knee problem is going to cause a bit of a problem. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well,
2: remember that. Then. And for Declan's third prediction, he actually pre-recorded this before the show because he was worried. It's a Judd prediction.
6: Yeah, it can still hold up.
2: And he was worried that it would come off the board between the start of the show and write that down. Okay. So I'm just going to – I have not heard this yet. Go I'm going to click play on this. Okay. Go for it. All
6: right, write this down. This is recorded on Wednesday, August 19th at 930 in the morning. Judd Zolget will rip the Twins for allowing – Kenta Maeda, to go into the ninth inning with a career-high pitch count. Again, Judd Zolgad will rip the Twins in written or audio form, allowing Kenta Maeda to go into the ninth inning to finish his no-hitter with a career-high in his pitch count.
2: And that could still happen. No. No. no, He already 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 said I would have brought him back. Because I asked him right off the top of the show.
6: I know you baited him. I, 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 I like that.
2: So I knew the premise of Declan's prediction. I had not heard the actual prediction yet. So I said, was it a good decision to run him out for the ninth? And Judd said, yes, it was the right decision.
5: Yep, and I would have brought him out myself. So you just came... uh, (laughs) So so what if... I'd like to see the uh, new uh, leaderboard now. But but what if... Let's see the new leaderboard. (laughs) Let's get a new leaderboard.
6: So what if in his next start, he he absolutely blows up his arm and he has Tommy John. You're not going to rip them in a column... Or anything in the next. No,
5: because I just said no. Because I just said I didn't give that a timetable. No, I didn't give a timetable. But, but I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to tell you today that I think they I, did the I exact right thing. I specifically did not wait, wait, give wait. It a timetable. Wait for this exact reason because
6: I know if he blows up his arm, you are going to rip them. <laughs> no, to that's not how it works. That's how
5: you work. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't say that they did the right thing and then rip them after that. So if I had said it was a questionable decision and he blows out his arm, then you're exactly right.
6: Take it by take it off the board. But if this happens, I want a home
2: run in retribution. I want. Oh, it you back. can have it. Yeah, because it it's not going to happen. All right, so. you can, all right, Declan, you can. You're in charge of monitoring this okay. going forward here, okay. just in case.
5: Because I would need to then say what I said before. I now disagree with, <laughs> and that they made a mistake.
2: Okay. All right. I uh, all right. So let's see. It. I can't change this on ah! the fly here, but but the but the average Declan's average is down to four fifty nine. Yes. Four fifty nine. Right. Judd is at four forty seven. Getting closer. Four fifty nine. Four forty seven. All right. I'm gonna write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down? That debacle. I'm gonna go with the Jose Barrios prediction. Okay. All right. I'm gonna stick with with the Twins theme here. Jose Barrios. In his next start. When is he next scheduled to pitch? Thursday tomorrow. Jerry Meals, I told you. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So he's gonna pitch against the Brewers tomorrow night. Jose Barrios in that start will figure it out. He will go at least that's right, I'm gonna Thanks, leave it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, he will be the man. Jose Barrios will pitch at least six innings okay. and will allow two earned runs or fewer. So he will figure it out tomorrow night, six innings or more. Okay. And two earned runs or fewer. Quality start. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Quality start.
5: Write it down. You like writing down? down. Write this down. And, and what were <laughs> statistics last couple of years? Could you give me his uh,
2: win-loss record? Yeah, right. Jose Barrios, six feet tall, 205 pounds, born on May 25th, 1994. Throws right-handed from Bayamon, Puerto Rico in his it's sixth scary. year in the major leagues. <laughs> yeah. At the major league level, at the major
5: league level, do not screw that up. And how many uh, R- Rawlings gold gloves has he worn? He's
2: <laughs> one. He's, he's one. Worn in three and
5: one, worn and,
2: one <laughs> and three on the season with a five point nine two earned run average and twenty four strikeouts. Mm. I'm sorry, he's in his fifth season at the major league level. Okay, yeah, come on, get it right. It would be hilarious if Burt did that, but with, with like sabermetrics instead. Bat Jose Barrios with a minus .3 wins above replacement mark this season and be. a two fifty seven batting average on balls in play. So it, his if, strikeout percentage
5: If he <laughs> did that, would that be bizarro Burt? It would be. Would that be sort of the bizarro Burt like the new age Burt?
2: <laughs> if you just had Jose Barrio's fangraphs page up the entire time. Jose Barrios. What would happen to Bramer if Minus .3 wins above replacement? inducing 48% ground balls on the season and a home run to fly ball percentage of 16%. What was his ERA plus? His uh, ERA plus on the season is just 65, which is below average, 100 being average. (laughs) Uh, Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Write That Down every Wednesday on the Mackey and Judd Show. We make predictions and hold each other accountable and bring guest listener predictors on the show. And if you want to hang out with us, and make your predictions and take your swings. Just send me a DM on Twitter. We'll get you scheduled. At Phil Mackey. Even if I don't follow you, you can DM me. My DMs are always open. If you want to just, like, complain and bitch about something. Or if you want to bitch about Judd, you can always DM me. At Phil Mackey. Oh, yeah. Go right ahead, Twitter.
5: Mackey. Tell Mackey
2: what you think yeah. of me. All right. We're, I think we're just rolling right into Royce here, right? All right. So let's... Uh, let's wrap with Royce. And Patrick, we dove in for, like, 45 minutes on about 10 different things off that game last night. <laughs> It was goofy. And I want to start with this theory. I want to start with this theory. So, you and I over the years, you and I did a show together for four years. And one of the things that we argued about was pitcher wins. And I think from day one, I was like, Pat, this is a ridiculous, irrelevant statistic. Like, just because the Yankees score 10 runs and, you know, mediocre Yankee starters get a win, I have found a way to potentially fix this. So, last night is a great example. We need a subjective ruling from the official scorer. Instead of, hey, you got to go five innings. If you go four and two-thirds and you're perfect, sorry, the next guy gets to mop up and pick up the win. We need a subjective official scorer to look at the totality of the game and determine on the winning side who was the most positively influential pitcher in that game. Jorge Alcala was great for two innings, but... He should not if get the leaves, win.
4: If he leaves behind three to one, you still want him to get the win.
2: So if let's let's say let's play that out. Let's say last okay. night. Let's say let's let's say instead of three to one. Let's say the Twins somehow were down one to nothing, and it was like uh, it was a no hitter, but a run scored on an error or something. Mm-hmm. And and Maeda goes eight innings, and then the mop up guy and Alcala was great last night, but the mop up guy gets the win because he was in the game in the twelfth when the Twins took the lead. Maeda was still the most influential pitcher in that game, even if he leaves with the lead not intact. That's my theory.
4: Well, here's the problem. People have been people have been dealing with this for 120 years, and all of a sudden they're going to throw this bouquet to the modern pitcher. You know, starting pitchers have been dealing with this for, uh, you know, since 1876. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously... Uh pitching wins were more important when a guy went eight and a third you know instead of uh six uh and you you started using six pitchers in a game instead of two but uh you know i just i, I just see it as tough bananas That's I see it as. <laughs> is that the scoring decision <laughs> yeah, t uh, you, you pitch you've great and someday you're gonna go and you know give up six and they'll score nine for you and you'll leave after five. I don't know about. I don't know what we're going to do about the five inning uh, thing. Uh, I know in a seven inning game, apparently you still got to go five because oh, Rizzi didn't get the win the other day. So, uh, I, I don't know, but I, I think it's I think it's far down the list of baseball's problems to uh, to uh, worry about. You know, forget. I I agree with you. You don't take that's not what you take to arbitration anymore.
2: Not, no, not after last night. If you no. him,
4: no, no, and I mean, Mayada I should be five and zero. But uh, Rogers is—you know—Rogers has is blown two games with him pitching. I, I think he's got to start getting a little more careful on his first pitch, don't you? I mean, the get it over—the uh, get it over pitch—to get ahead in the count right off the bat, bang, and uh, he's in trouble right off the bat. So he—he uh, he doesn't have the same. Not quite. He's really slider heavy now. He isn't using much of a fastball. And uh, I, I don't know why didn't they go? Why didn't he go after Yelich? A left-handed hitter, you know. I mean, why didn't he, he kind of he walked him right? Didn't he walk He did. Him? Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's left-handed hitter. Let's go. Those are last year. They hit about 110 against him. But uh, it was it was a it was a very interesting game, and uh, I have now realized that I am uh, going to lose on the runner on second base. Uh, that that is the future of regular season baseball.
5: Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? It
4: was. I wouldn't say I liked it. But it was comical to see these two managers didn't know if they were, as I said, I wrote a blog this morning, they didn't know if they were on foot or horseback. Those two guys <laughs> didn't know what the hell was going on. Was it was Rocco. I thought his head was going to explode. He didn't know what to do. And Console ends up with the five man infield. And, uh, you know, they all decided not. Apparently, they both have the analytics that say putting a guy to third is a terrible, you know, is a terrible play. But, uh, I think the Twins got away with it, but I think it has to be determined by who the hitter is, right? Whether you're going to bunt a guy to third. If Alex Avila is hitting, I don't know if he can bunt. Maybe he can't bunt. But if he's, if I got a guy at second and uh starting the inning with nobody out and he's batting, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bunt. But if you know, if it's somebody who's got a chance to get a base hit, then, uh, then I'm not going to do it. But
2: uh, it was
4: interesting to. Uh, and you know what the great part of it is? Lavelle was telling me his Twitter feed was, why isn't he, you know, when the inning's over, is why didn't he bunt? Why didn't he bunt? Of course, if he bunted and the guy popped up, he'd say, why would they bunt? That's the worst strategy in baseball. It certainly does. You know, I think if it ends the game right away in the 10th inning, then it's not that interesting or good, right? It's if it, you know, if, if the, if the brewers get a run home in the top of the tenth and then Hater comes in and goes boom, boom, boom. Yeah. It's not much fun. But the fact that it dragged on and all this goofy stuff had and Marwin gets thrown out and pretty soon, you know. Uh he was in uh but Baldelli was one move from having Cave play shortstop, you know. I mean he was he was out of players and uh it was uh it was it was interesting, that's for sure. I already want to. Get, I already want to release Il Demaro Vargas, though. What a clown! <laughs> not, the fact he threw the the fact he threw the ball, you know, he didn't make a decent pivot. That's okay. The fact he got thrown out by twenty three feet trying to move up on a ground ball to the right side when he's been given second base free. And Pat, they, okay.
2: they watered the infield between innings. I mean, in fairness.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every time the idiot fouled the ball off, hater, he stumbled across the plate and he took a lap around the catcher. And the pit. He, how many times did he do that, John? Five.
5: Yeah, he liked to how stroll around. P- uh, Pace you know, of play uh, was not a problem for him. Not I an issue. You,
4: well, plus, how could he get away with that? Tell him to stay in the box, you idiot. Because Jeremy
5: Rehack, as you said in the press box, sucks.
4: Yeah, to give him a couple more years with Jerry Mill meals, it'll really be bad. But uh but, you know, I, I know there are unwritten rules and then there are just logical rules. If if Hayter didn't know he was gonna strike him out, he would have hit him in the neck. <laughs> he, and I would have been all for it. Stay in the box. Or somewhere in the vicinity. You know, yeah walked around like this guy who's hit one the Arizona sold him for the to the twins for a bag of peanuts and he's strutting around like he's an actual
3: player.
2: He was feeling himself after a couple of those foul balls. He had the he Oh yeah. He, yeah. he punched yeah. his helmet one time like, Yeah, I'm in I'm in this Yeah. I'm ready to rock. I made contact off Josh. And, Hader. and then he
4: struck out and he gave him the stare. Did you see that? yep like, How did you strike me out? How could you possibly have <laughs> Struck out the magnificent Ilda <laughs>
5: <laughs> You might have a name for him. That might be the name. The <laughs> yes. magician.
4: Maybe it was the lateness of night, but uh, there were a few uh, words flying from the front row of the press box. Uh, I mean, uh, during his at bat, the 11th inning. Told you. Might not have, uh, you know, might have started a, a brawl on the field. They did It was worse than what they were screaming at Sergio, and the other way around. That's- yeah.
2: We also had that. We had the the speaking of the home plate umpire. We had the insta ejection of Marwin Gonzalez after yeah, but, a very borderline strike three. I think you have to give those give him fifteen seconds to bitch at you. Yes, and I
4: don't think I don't think it was borderline. I think it
0: was ball. Don't
4: you?
2: Agreed. Yep.
4: Yeah, it was a ball. And, I mean, that's a big at bat right there. And the guy, you know, hadn't called that pitch, you know. I mean, he didn't have, like, a real big zone. And then all of a sudden he calls that pitch. Yeah, you got to let the guys rematch it for two seconds. But this guy's a redneck. I've uh, seen him – he, I've seen him with the quick hook. He's, I think this is about his third year, and I think the first time I ever saw him, he had the quick hook with somebody just, you know, he's one of those guys, if you, if you question him at all, he throws you out. But it'll get worse Thursday. Jerry, Jerry's got the plate again Thursday. You know, this is not a good Leslie system. Nelson. This this is not a good system, fellas, having only two re- Empire crews working all your games. No. It, it's going to build up grudges.
5: It, it's the worst part of COVID ball, Pat. Yeah. I really think it, it's the worst part. You can't get I, I, rid I of these the twins,
4: guys. I think the Twins have only seen Jeff Nelson's crew, which is okay, and this crew, right?
5: Uh, the In the opening, in fact, I looked this up last night. In the opening series, they saw a different crew against the White Sox, and I think since then they've seen the same two crews basically over and over again.
4: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's the whole travel thing. But these guys get on the plane and then fly with the teams, too. Yes. Yes. You know, they
5: sit which, right behind first class.
4: Yeah, yeah. Marwin might come up and dump a bucket on that guy's head next time. It he
5: might help him out.
4: To,
2: that's got to be uncomfortable. That. That's that's awkward. Oh, it's very awkward. But it's you COVID know,
4: isn't ball. It, isn't it amazing? Though you have a twenty-eight man roster, and you can still only have thirteen position players, and you you still can yeah. run out of ball. You can still run out of players in the you know the tenth or eleventh inning because you. You don't have any extra players. you got two catchers, and uh, i uh, it's its adorable. But I'll tell you what, that would have been a hell of a night to have 35,000 people in that ballpark. It was a glorious night, and they, there were many things to scream about and yell about and enjoy, was it was interesting, that's for sure.
2: Hey, real quick, you, know you get – oh, go ahead, Pat, go. About
4: the, about the man on second, I don't want to say I'm in favor of it, but I think I can live with it in the regular season.
2: See, that's coming, coming a long around. way, right there, Patrick. And
4: that coming has around. come a long way from. What are these bleepers bleepers doing?
2: You know. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see just a follow up on the Fernando Tatis Jr. apologizing for hitting a grand slam the other day? So yesterday, yeah. the pic- yeah. the the pitcher who threw at the next hitter to punish the Padres for Tatis hitting a grand slam uh, with a seven run lead. So that pitcher appealed his suspension and was still eligible to play yesterday. So he comes. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's Jabou A U T I. Can't remember, I don't know how to yeah. pronounce it. So he comes in in relief last night. Yesterday, the Padres are up six to nothing. This Texas pitcher who yes, who, who right. is is awaiting a suspension. Two outs, six to nothing lead. Fernando Tatis Junior is on second base. He steals third. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> I love
4: it. Which is which is worse than hitting a grand slam. But,
2: uh, you know, I, I
4: love that. By the way, uh, did you see when I saw you retweeted me? I looked up Woodward, and uh, I, I looked to see if he'd hit any grand slams. Uh, so I went through Chris Woodward. And, uh, and, yes, he did. He hit a grand slam in the top of the night when the Blue Jays were already leading the Orioles 10-4. Oh, that's so terrible. It gave, them,
1: it gave them an
4: eight-run lead. No, 10-run lead. Yep. Made it 14-4. to It was a totally unnecessary grand slam. Man. Uh, Bush league. And Woodward should not have done it now. I couldn't find out what the count was because it was a long time ago. By the way, one more thing, the fly man infield, I uh, exchanged text with Smalley this morning because we all love the day in 1977 that that we're there. And Mock went to the five-man infield, and it took him about eight minutes to set everything up. And then Dave Johnson threw the first pitch up against the backstop and the winning run came in. And Smalley told me I had to cover up my face with my glove to set team. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wrote something about it six years ago. It was Sam DiDuno, uh blew a game with a wild pitch or something. And in a similar situation, and uh, uh, I, I looked it up. But Mock, I go in there and talk to Mock after the game. He's in there having a the heater. And I'd obviously forgotten this. But his quote was, I should used two catchers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> God, I Not a bad idea. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Sam DiDuno, um, man. By the way, Sam DiDuno, as of a, I don't have any numbers on him this year, but he was still pitching as of last year professionally. Oh and yeah, in a
4: Mexican League or something.
2: He was in the Dominican Winter League.
4: Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. And the year before that, he played in the Caribbean Series and also in uh, the Dominican Winter League.
4: He had good stuff. He just uh, I don't know. Well, you look back closer. <laughs> Back in the early 2010s, you know, they were running some guys out there to start games. That you know, oh, um, you know, Randy Dobnik—they would have had a parade for him compared to those. Models. I mean,
2: Pat, yeah, Sam DeDuno had great stuff in the way that an Indy 500 driver would be blindfolded driving 200 miles <laughs> yeah, an hour. Yeah, well,
4: that's true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> One of the requirements of great stuff, you you got to be able to throw it somewhere
2: within seven, eight feet of the the plate. Otherwise, you don't have great stuff. Well, Pat, we'll talk to you Friday.
4: See you, Royce. All right, Jens. Goodbye. All right,
2: that's Wrapping with Royce. You can also find his podcast once a week. It's Royce Unchained with Judd every Monday. and We post that as part of the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, too. So uh, that was a fun show. All in on that Twins game last night. Oh, it was so much fun. UK is fantastic. Amazing. Write that down with Strong, too. Our guests were good this week. Yep, yep they're they were. really good. good stuff. Making Declan work for those spellings. Yeah, I,
6: I literally had it during pad. I went and looked up all the names, and I did not know that, like, one of the guys that he spelled, I thought he was talking about one name. No, he was talking about two names, so I might have to go back and re-listen to make sure I had it, have it right now.
5: <laughs> so, uh, par for the course. So, that wasn't one guy he was talking about? It was two yeah, I different thought, names?
6: thought I thought Andesay and Costa were one person, and no, they're two different people. So. Write this down. UFC. Thank you. To I wouldn't UFC. have known that either. Love all the UFC
5: predictions. Yeah, all right.
2: All right, thanks for hanging out with us, <laughs> Mackie and Judd. Find our Vikings discussions in full on Purple Daily, anywhere you find podcasts and youtube.com slash score